Hello Oilers fans, finally a night to be happy about. If you would have told me back in October that it would be mid-January and the Oilers would be on, up against the Ducks in a must-win game, I would not have believed you. I would have thought something horrible went wrong. Well, I guess something horrible did go wrong this season, but in a year where it's been like all Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the Mr. Hyde Oilers showed up tonight and it was an absolute dominant performance from top to bottom. There were no passengers Every single player did their job. They played above where we expect, to be honest. And uh, they dominated a team that they should dominate in a time where they got to get going. They got to get started. They need to string some wins together because we're past the early point in the season. There are no excuses now. This team has not performed up to expectations. And this is just another sign of life. They came out in a game where they needed to win after a deplorable loss. And they did it. Uh, I'm obviously joined by my longtime co-host now at this point, Dennis Lee. How's it going, Dennis? What'd you think of tonight's game? Not too bad, Zach. Not too bad. This team can really put it together when they want to. But uh, it's hard to believe, like you mentioned. It's January, mid-January, and we're already playing hockey where we have to win these games. Uh, it's, it's Anaheim. They're a team that's obviously struggling. They got blown out by the Bruins in their last game. And hey, they got blown out tonight. That's what the Oilers need to do. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing like just beating up on a team. Uh, Anaheim did it to us many years back when Nuge was the only hope <laughs> during the decade of darkness. So hey, there's some uh, fair retribution there. They showed up. They brought that killer instinct, which they've been lacking, you know, in so many games this season. Uh, we're gonna get into all that. We're gonna break down the entire game and more. Look at this game. Micro, and then we're going to look at the bigger picture, obviously, as we always do when we break down the inevitable trade possibilities for the Oilers. I just want to thank MGD, David W., Nico Dog, Black, Masakari, uh, everyone in chat for joining us tonight. I know it's a late night, but we're going to have a lot of fun on the show. Um, but before we get into all that, I got a message from our friends at Sports Interaction. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live and play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right. All right, Dennis. Yeah, that game... Honestly, like you said, I saw you tweeted this out during the game. Just a game, finally. A game where you could kind of sit back, relax, no stress, just watch, confident that they're going to win. They're not going to blow it. In the first period, I will say, when Sam, I think it was the Sam Carrick goal, the first goal that the Ducks got. Yeah, that my, was the first goal of the Ducks. My heart yeah. did skip a little bit of a beat. I was like, oh no, not again. We're not starting this habit on the road, right? And uh, thank God they come out. McDavid goes God mode for the beautiful spinorama goal, uh, backhand shelf. He, em he embarrassed Zegers, oh, right? Like, that was Trevor so funny. Zegers, you you got you got run for man. Like he absolutely <laughs> swindled your money. But this yeah. is this is what happens, right? McDavid he does this on a nightly basis. It's it's just the greatness that we see, and we get a little bit tired of it. But I'm sure the Anaheim fans in that building, whew, they were able to appreciate that goal too. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so let's look at it from the top. So coming into the game, uh, obviously Stuart Skinner back in Edmonton giving birth to his first child. Uh, so congratulations, Stu. Wish you all the best. Um, so obviously he wasn't able to be here tonight. So backup Jack was in net. <laughs> um, and 
it's been a very I don't even want to say up and down season for Jack, just a down season through valleys and even deeper valleys. But um, well, honestly, he's been he's been picking it up in the last yeah, yeah. while. Yeah, right? and, that, and that's where I was going with that. Right. In the last three games, he's been decent. Even tonight, I, I believe it's an, another night above a 900 save percentage. Yeah, yeah he's 913 tonight on uh, 23 shots. So he saved 21 to 23. Perfect. Uh, a good performance. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. He made a he made a few big saves. Now, again, we always I think we do need to look at this game through the lens that it was the Anaheim Ducks. Now, and they are not a great hockey team by any respect. So to see Jack Campbell, albeit against a bad team, come out and make saves when he has to and make, I want to say the only really good save was right at the end of the first period, the 30 seconds left. I want to say it was Mason McTavish could have tucked it home and Jack come, came sliding across and stopped it with his left pad. Uh, he, to me with these new pads, he looks a lot bigger. His, but, but, it's 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 in his movements where he looks a lot calmer. He's not nearly as frantic, and his cross crease, um, his his sliding and his his navigation of the crease is just a lot more uh, concise. It's a lot more. It's a lot. There's a lot less movement to it, and I and I think that's where we're starting to see him calm a bit down, and there's yeah. less nerves, and he's obviously starting to look a lot better. And for this team to take it to that next level, they do need Jack Campbell to continue. Honestly, this. he robbed a couple guys tonight, right? There were a couple of big cross crease plays. We'll go through all the goals um, period by period in mm -hmm. a little bit here. But yeah, there was a, a chance by Comtois. Um, that that line for the Ducks has been buzzing throughout mm -hmm. uh, this game. They they got, you know, the Sam Carrick goal. That, those were all things that were a little bit tough to swallow. You mentioned when that first goal went in. Uh, as an Oilers fan, going up to nothing doesn't seem to mean anything. It doesn't seem like the game is secure in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, right afterwards, the the dominance of McDavid, just a, a great performance by Costin tonight, mm -hmm. just really helped yeah. put us at ease. Well, and in the end, we could just you know lay back and watch the game. Totally. Well, coming into the game, we got something that a lot of Oilers fans have been screaming and yelling for is Dylan Holloway, finally. Finally, given a shot on the top line, right? And not four minutes into the game, you have Yamo, who was on his game. Might have been Yamo's best game of the season. Didn't get a goal, but Yamo looked elite. This is the Kyler Yamamoto that can thrive on your team. This is a type of player that every single championship team needs to win. On the fortress tonight, he was an absolute beast. He caused... Not, Ducks defensemen will be seeing him in, his, in their nightmares. He... Every time they came around the net to make a breakup pass, Yamo came out of nowhere, and whether it was his stick, whether he was using his body, he seemed to break up. He caused trouble on their breakout. He got the puck back, and on the first goal, right to McDavid, McDavid right into the slot, no one covering Holloway. Holloway beats Gibson clean. It's one nothing right away, right? And part of that is, of course, it's McDavid's pass, right? Oh. What an unbelievable pass right to Holloway. But we've seen in many instances guys not put that puck away mm -hmm. and he wasted no time dylan holloway immediately zips it past him uh past gibson just these are the types of things that you expect from a first round draft pick right you finally get to see well that's a line full of first round draft picks so when you have skilled players like mcdavid holloway gets to put a little razzle dazzle in his step right and he he played a pretty quiet game after that but i thought he looked completely 
at home. I, I thought he maybe didn't have some uh, an, a lot of grade A scoring chances, but I thought he was quietly effective. There were, he was he was never a, a, a negative on that line, right? McDavid was able to bounce pucks off him. He was able to keep the cycle going. They was consistently in the offensive zone. I thought I th- I think the Oilers truly, truly, truly have something with that line when Kane because it seems like Kane's coming back really, really soon here. So well, he's on the trip. Right? Uh, yeah, exactly. He, I've heard uh, list, just listening to people talk. It, it could be as soon as the game against Seattle in like a week. So if Kane comes back, goes in line with Drysaddle, and then you have this Yanmark, Cost, and Nugent Hopkins line when they're going. Gare uh, seem to be in a really good third line at least right now. So yeah, like the Oilers, they just got to stick to it. And I know I said last game against the Islanders, oh, it could be a turning point or whatever. You need to come in with the same amount of effort and intensity every single game that uh, you showed tonight, you showed against the Islanders, because you have so much skill and so much talent in this lineup that you will win more often than not, right? Then you go to the second goal, like we're just talking about that line. Uh, Right after, Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets another 5-on-5 goal. He probably didn't get as much on that shot as he would have wanted, but it somehow sneaks by John Gibson. Uh, Well, there... It was part of a, a play, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there was a nice screen in front of the net. Um, maybe it ticked off some guy, I think, in front, a Ducks player. But that's those aren't the pretty highlight real goals, but you got to score goals like that. Mm-hmm. As a team in the NHL, you you don't always score highlight real goals. You just got to get a few ugly ones. Oh, yeah. That, that line was buzzing. Nuge was buzzing tonight. I believe he had... I think three points like they 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 were going costing two goals and we'll obviously discuss both of them but to me one guy who i am convinced is going to get a call from gary bettman for a random drug test is matthias yanmark what the heck? where did this come from like out of the blue there was a shift on the penalty kill where yanmark like rushed up the ice it was a one-on-three and he pulled out dangles where he looked like Peter Forsberg and he beat like all three ducks and got it right to the net and almost tucked it home. I think it was still Gibson at that point in the second period. And I was like, I was flabbergasted. Yanmark had that on, on, on I believe, what was set cost in second goal of the game. And I know we've kind of, I'm kind of jumping between the goals here and there, but whatever. It is, it is what it is. Yanmark skated the zone where if you had weren't paying that much attention you would you could not have convinced me that wasn't Connor mcdavid and he went like a complete lap and a half around found costin for like a 15 20 foot pass and costin zings it top corner just beautiful for his seventh of the year right like from top to yeah. bottom you had, you had contributions and that that goal was beautiful and we kind of discussed um the the one nothing two nothing three nothing uh, we've kind of broken down all the goals uh, up until that well, point, but just just to quickly touch on that play again, like it was a great play by Yanmark, just protects the puck well. You know, he's in a, a position kind of behind the net, right? That's a low danger area. So naturally, goalies are kind of thinking, okay, I gotta I gotta monitor where this puck's going. And that was just a beautiful pass to Costin, who was ready for it. I think that's one of my favorite things about Costin is he's always ready to zip the puck on net when he's, you know, in the slot area, when he's Mm -hmm. near the dots. He doesn't, you know, receive a pass and then sometimes think to himself for that half second where he doesn't know what to do. He is ready at any time to just rip one on net. And I, I love that about the guy. Yeah, he plays such intensity, right? Like like you saw later on in the third period, they're up 6-2 at this point. And 
Yanmar, the Ducks, I think it was Shankirk cross-checks Yanmark into yep. the boards and kind of a greasy play at that point in the game, right? And well, it was a, a cross-check into the boards, and then he like just threw the puck on him. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's where I was going. Like com such garbage turns around backhands. I don't think he necessarily he wasn't looking when he shot it at Yanmark, but still, like, you don't do that. And then you have Cost and like Nugent Hopkins is never going to do anything there, but you have Cost and come on the ice and they start barking at each other and Yanmark and Cost and get into it with all the ducks and you just see Trevor Zegers jump on Yanmark and start <laughs> punching him in the back of the head from behind. No one caught anything. Zegers probably weighs off, but I, I bet you he doesn't weigh ten pounds more than Kyler Yamamoto, so I don't well, know that, that Yanmark that felt perfect, anything. That's the perfect matchup, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have Nuge trying to restrain Zegers at that point, and you're like, ah, yeah, those those two guys aren't going to be going. But hey, Nuge can turn it on when he needs to. I remember uh, when he fought. He fought a guy in Columbus, I believe. Oh, Sean no. Monahan. Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, sometimes, like, Nuge is quietly having one of the best seasons he's had in a long time. I think he's this is his best season year. ever. Yeah. Easily. He's at 50 points already. I 50 think. points in 43 games, which. Yeah, insane. Uh, he does pick up a lot of points in the power play, but like tonight, you saw. I I believe I I want to say all of his points came five on five. Like, um, Nugent Hopkins well, I, has been fantastic. Uh, special teams was another thing t for tonight's game, right? Yes. Like after an atrocious performance last last game against the Kings. Yes, this is Anaheim, so we'll we'll look at it through that lens. But the PK, which has been struggling. They they held three for three tonight, right? No power play goals from Anaheim. Uh, even the chances weren't that dangerous. Campbell had to bail him out a couple times, but it wasn't two, you know, five alarm sort of saves. Uh, and one for three on the power play. You mm -hmm. know, that's thirty three percent. That's right Perfect. where the Oilers' wheelhouse is. Exactly. They and it's it was nice. It was it was just like a simple dry sidle tip. How cheeky though, right? Mm -hmm. Behind the between oh, the legs. Between the legs, that was disgusting. You just see him giggling on the bench after, right? Like he just he's he's so above goals like that. He just he's he doesn't even celebrate. He just is like, oh, that was cool, you know, whatever. We're up six two. I don't care. He he just wants wins, and I want wins for Leon. So that was awesome to see. I'm glad he contributed on the score sheet. Evan Bouchard, I thought was really oh. on tonight as well. Like he he beautiful play to set up that goal, right? Um yeah. I thought even on the the goal number 2 that Nugent Hopkins got, Broberg and Bouchard did a great job at the blue line. Like they they are quietly becoming one of the Oilers' best pairs this year. They they were fantastic today. Broberg looked really good. And the other thing that I wanted to touch upon, obviously they they went 11 and 7 again tonight. Yeah. But uh no one was no one was a passenger nope. in terms of time on ice, right? Looking at Loved the decor it. All of them played over 10 minutes. Awesome. Yes, I still want Nurse to be playing a little bit less. He still played uh, 23 minutes totally time agree. on ice, so highest on the team. But part of that is also the fact that it's it's Nurse, right? I'm sure as a guy, he also wants to be out there a lot. Yeah, and and, and until the Oilers inevitably do add another defenseman, it, this is just going to be how it's going to be. I, but to my to my knowledge or at least from just thinking back to the rest of the games this year this has to be the best managed game ice time wise that i can remember this year from jay woodcroft all the forwards were in that 15 16 17 minute range the only guy you know who led the oilers in ice time it was ryan mcleod uh yeah. right so for forwards yeah yes and obviously yeah. they were up six two and mcdavid and dry maybe a two or three shifts in the back half of the third period right and that that partially is why but 
I when Woodcroft gets more people involved, especially those middle, those top nine guys, those the, the McLeod, the Yamamoto's, the Pooley all those guys specifically that need to get their touches in, they can't be on the bench for five, six, seven minutes at a time. It makes such a difference in the overall product and the production that you get out of those forwards. You can just see the level of engagement in the game, right? You see Pooley how many shots? It felt like Pooley was ending, but had at least two or three really good shots. There was, I want to say, at the end of the second, he had a he all if the if there was 10 seconds left he would have had a clear-cut breakaway he was on he smoked uro vacanine and i can't pronounce that guy's name but he was physically engaged mentally engaged yeah yeah pulley rv played great i mean yes you you would have liked to see him get on the score sheet it just helps with his mental mentality right just his mental game but he had four shots on net tonight mm-hmm. All, all in all like the, the oilers smoked anaheim 53 shots on net um, you could tell in the third period, they kind of dialed it back a little bit, but yeah, uh, just to answer someone in chat, uh, Travis mentioned, what was McDavid's time on ice? 15 minutes, 1531, uh, dry 1634. Well, yeah, the, you want to keep these guys low when you can, right? Cause we got like, j- just like this game was a must win. The next game against San Jose is a must win. And the game against Vegas, you like, it's not a must win considering you win the game against San Jose, but you would, you need to win that game. Like it's not as dire if you lose that, obviously, but because it is Vegas, but uh, yeah. And just to go on what you're saying, like Broberg uh, was second on the Oilers in expected goals tonight. He had an 87, he controlled 87% of the expected goals for on the ice, right? Like he, he was dominant. He's quietly becoming really good. You can see the confidence in the plays that he's making. Uh, one guy we can't forget to touch on uh, is Vincent D'Arnais. And I wanted to bring him up when you brought up the penalty kill. It was funny. He took the first penalty of the game, right? So he got yeah. that weird phantom interference call kind of when the Ducks were breaking into the zone when he went to deny the zone entry. And, and Yeah, it's kind of hard, right? Because the puck is bouncing in on him. He ends up playing the puck. And then right after he kind of just passes the puck a little bit, the guy starts moving behind him, right? So naturally, Vinny trying to, tries to box him out. It's a tough one. Like, well, it's his first It's his first shift. Oh, yeah. So he, he, he had nerves. He had nerves, oh, of course. But what I was going to say is, like, part of the reason you bring a guy like that in is for his penalty-killing abilities, right? So so it's just kind of funny for him to come and take the first penalty. You don't really get to see him on the penalty kill. I tweet out uh, probably a little bit after. I was like, I hope they take another penalty. Because they, they always were playing. Uh, it was weird. Usually it seems like they they take two, three, four penalties in the first period, but uh, no, I, I tweeted out. I was like, shame, damn, shame I, hope, on you for I know. That out I back. hope they take a penalty for science reasons. Like, we got to see what Vincent Deharnay looks like on the penalty kill. Not 10 seconds later, Connor McDavid, high sticks of Ducks defenseman, Oilers on the penalty kill. I did feel a little bit responsible. Uh, they go, the Ducks get, what was it? I think their second power play of the game. Uh, they they didn't really get too much. I want to say they had one cross crease pass from Troy Terry, I believe, to Zegers. I can't can't really remember. But uh, yeah, the one thing I will say, the one caveat, I thought the penalty killing looked really good. I thought Deharnay and Kulak specifically as a pair on the penalty kill. Their sticks really active. They broke up passes. They made clears when they had to. No complaints from them. I would love to see Deharnay in the lineup again. I thought he was a better version of what we have in Marcus Niemelainen. But this this was incredible because DeHarnay on the penalty kill was like if you're not watching a lot of Condors games, you you probably don't know who this guy is, right? He's he's a late late draft pick. He's 26 years old, but you know the only thing that maybe Oilers 
fans, if you read up on prospects, you might know about this guy, is he's just a tall beast. He's like six foot six, so that's like nearly yeah. two meters. Uh, the dude, the dude can also defend though, because you saw guys trying to get into that crease area, trying to get in Campbell's eyes, and DeHarnay just very easily shoves him out of the zone, mm-hmm. and that's something that the Oilers it, have had trouble with. Oh yeah, in front of the net, he was clearing people out. He was he was really really effective in in areas that the Oilers haven't been that strong this year, and I think you know he's not the most notable uh addition to the lineup just based on you know draft status and how long he's been in the organization and not how much you know barely many people outside the Oilers organization know about him but if he could come in and gain a bit of confidence like I was very pleasantly surprised with his puck deals I saw him make at least two rushes up the ice like he had a really nice pass up the ice to Ryan McLeod later in the third period where he created a chance I want to say McLeod ended up passing into Drysaddle and Drysaddle just missed but uh, Deharnay was uh, much more of a catalyst, and he wasn't um, he wasn't an egg on defense. Like he wasn't just a defenseman. He was he was able to again caveat it was Dutch, but he was able to hold his head much more above water than I personally expected, and I'm very surprised. And I know I'm jumping a little bit uh, into the future here, but I would love to see him against Vegas. Like I would love to see how he handles a much more uh, intense game and what would be a, a lot better, just bluntly, a lot better players on a Vegas team, right? Right. A, a lot of the knock on him is his foot speed, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the bigger players tend to have a little bit slower acceleration, mm-hmm. max speed. Well, he looked but good. He looked fine, yeah. I, I think part of that is also, it's a small sample size. It's against Anaheim. But the way that DeHarnay, he's able to look around, he keeps his head on a swivel, checks where guys are, keeps an active stick and communicates with his defenseman, right? So you're able to see him swap with Broberg on a play mm-hmm. so that he could chip it back towards him and no harm, no foul. The Anaheim pressure is is released, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all stuff that comes from an AHL veteran. This is got a guy who's a little bit more developed. He's played for a while. He's not you know, it's his first NHL game, but he doesn't have the usual sort of jitters that a younger player might when they're facing NHL pressure. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and just looking back on that that specific uh, penalty kill that, that we were talking about there, uh, again, this might be a little nitpicky, but to me, the first pairing out on the ice uh, was Nurse and CeCe. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but you, I just saw, I was able to see, like, co- to contrast it with that Kulak and DeHarnay play, and you see that cross-crease pass that Terry makes, and it just it just occurred to me that they give up way too many cross-crease passes down low. Like, we all know when we watch the Oilers power play, that it's, it's oh, it's the mcdavid Adrasso pass is coming, it's coming, it's coming. It seems like when those guys are on the ice, no, no matter who the opposition is, it seems like that... that they can always get that cross crease pass through. Like unless Nurse is lying on his belly in the crease, like it always seems like the opposition inevitably makes that pass. And I think that's something that needs to be cleaned up a little bit. But obviously the Ducks didn't end up capitalizing there, so it's kind of a moot point. Well, you you do know where they did capitalize. It's not on a cross crease pass, but the the last goal of the game, uh, the Ducks' second goal, it was it was a slapper from I think his name Benoit. Like ben, Benoit or something. Yeah, Simon Benoit, I think. <laughs> but yeah, like that play, Campbell was kind of screened in front. Nurse had a little bit of trouble pushing. I think it was Carrick out of the Yeah, way. yeah, they got in a little battle in front of the net. See, yeah, so you saw Campbell try to like peek over, try to like 
get past this almost double screen and CC's, you know, off doing other things. So it, it's a it's a tough one, right? You yeah. compare you compare the D pairs and and you know, you have guys who are young, who are kind of struggling in terms of like a Bouchard earlier in the year, a Broberg earlier in the year. Uh, even Kulak had some difficulties where he was playing a little bit too high up in the lineup. About 12 yeah, those, picks. Yeah. Oh, man. Kulak to start the year. Yeah. Maybe he did fire Maybe he did fire uh, an equipment manager. Yeah, literally. Start sharpening his own out. skates. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. That's kind of a goal where you would like uh, maybe Nurse not to screen Campbell there. Now you understand he's in an FM battle and, like, he's not necessarily thinking about that. But you also would like Campbell to have that one. Now, again, I don't really want to pick. We've picked apart Campbell all season and you put above a, above a 900 save percentage. I don't really have too many complaints. So, obviously, if you're going to... He's gonna, yeah, exactly. So you'd like him to save it, but it's not by any means the end of the world. Um, but yeah, no, he 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 was he was all right, and um, he, the Oilers obviously won, and hopefully this is a, just another building block to that confidence that Jack Campbell needs, and he comes out even just a little bit better against San Jose. Uh, but yeah, no, from top to bottom, I thought the defense was awesome. The forwards were awesome. Derek Ryan wasn't in the lineup. I can't. I I gotta be honest. I can't say his absence was too noticeable. Uh, even yeah. Like this is this is the thing though, right? Like it's good to have guys like a Derek, uh, like a like a Ryan, uh, like a Shore. They don't really care if you scratch them. They have been there. They mm -hmm. live that life. As long as they're staying in the team, that's fine. If you send them down to the AHL, fine. They'll try and earn their way, you know, through merit to go back up in the system. This is the good thing about having veterans like this on the team, right? Mm -hmm. They'll play if you need them. If you don't need them, they'll sit. Yeah, we, we almost had a clean cost in Hattrick tonight. We were a post away. We we're about two inches away. It would have been a stuff of legend. We would have put it up. There. I would have put it up there with the George Larocque Hattrick. Clean watch, man. Oh. I think here's the thing. Like, Costin has, has done such a good job, right? He came here when he was, after he was waived by St. Louis. No one in the NHL wanted him for free give give holland some props right he flipped samarukov for him and now without clean costin this team looks like a little bit lost physically they don't look like they battle very hard so the fact that he's on the oilers he's performing well i think it, it goes both ways the oilers want him here and he wants to be here yeah oh yeah he has come in and he's he's been that catalyst uh physically in the bottom six that so many people have, been, have wanted right and he's not shied away from anything no matter what the score is no matter who's getting attacked on the ice he's always first he's always up there like his fight with brendan lemieux again against la that was that was a throwback fight they were squared up that was that was insane i was shocked when you saw that and it, it you love to see it too right it's the end of the game you're probably not coming back but you know what hey i'm gonna go i'm tussling with this guy like that's a sort of fight where it goes back to the old school remember this we'll be back we'll play we'll play each other again and next game you better watch out mm -hmm. right that's that's the sort of statement fight um that the nhl has been you know trying to reduce in the last couple of seasons Mm -hmm. Yeah, McNader in the chat points out that the entire third period, they were trying to get him the hat trick. Like, I, I remember Broberg passed a dry side. It looked like dry side, a wide open dead dry side. It goes back to Costin. And 
Costin still comes super close. Like, Costin probably had about three chances, three really good chances to get the hat trick. It didn't come for him, but he's going to be an oiler, hopefully, for a decent amount of time here, and he'll have many more opportunities to get a hat trick. So, yeah. Costin had six shots tonight. <laughs> I mean, like, that's uh, tied for second. Uh, Nuge also had six shots. McDavid had eight. Well, like, the Oilers have 53 shots as a team. Like, I don't remember. The, like, they are not a volume shooting team, right? So no. for them to have 53 shots, I mean, they had a ton of really good chances. And it's not like they spent a lot of that game on the power play, only about, uh, only you know, three power plays, right? Three so, power plays. So they and, dominant. And, you know, one thing that you missed out in terms of, like, everyone was playing well, Woody. Woody also managed the team really well. Mm -hmm. um, you said it a little bit earlier, but towards the end of the game, you know, he he rolled out lines which was just like bottom six guys um he he put out like holloway to center out his his own line uh, i think he had like yamo and costin you know these are just confidence moments right hey we're we're up six two don't worry about it get out there just play you know if you have to if you have to try and take a phase off if you ha if you make a mistake that's fine and this is the sort of things that a young player will remember. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And just before we continue on, we have almost 40 people watching right now. We got 24 likes, which is good. But let's try and bump it up. Let's try and hit 40. Um, we might not hit 40 while we're live, but let's try and get it after the, after the stream ends. Uh, I just want to thank everyone again for joining us late here. But yeah, let's try and pump that like button, guys. I really appreciate you guys being here with us. It's a blast to break down this game. It's awesome here. Not you know, complaining and being super negative and the Oilers actually allowing us to come into this broadcast with a smile on our face and just be pleasant for once. I always feel so bad coming in and just being so overtly negative and, you know, <laughs> talking about, you know, topics that you almost never want to touch on, right? And it's gotten dark, Dennis. It, it's gotten dark. It, look, it it's tough, right? Where If we lost tonight's game, you and I would be in here just ripping this team up. Uh, let's be honest, the road ahead, it, it's still a tough one. Um, the Oilers, they have to, they have to win all of these in division games. Yeah. And at the same time, they, they have to be able to like, at least go two wins per loss. If they have any hopes of like making it into the playoffs in yeah. the Pacific, well, like not in a wild card spot. But they need a run here. The time is now for a run. Again, they're going to get Kane back. Kane is not going to, you know, change the issues defensively. It's it's a matter of commitment to the D and commitment to the systems and just playing. And in its effort, it's it's not going up to nothing and thinking like, okay, we're going to skill. We can sleep our way to the finish line. And all of a sudden, whether you're playing the Islanders, the Devils, or the Avs, it seems like you blow that 2 nothing lead and they're right back in. It's a matter, you can't let your ego um, become part of your game again. It seems like so many times this year, the Oilers have become complacent. They they went to the conference finals. They expected, almost, it almost is like they expected to be back in the conference finals, right? Uh, which is not an easy thing to do. And they came into the season with with. I, I maybe their ego was a little bit too big and, and maybe they, they were they were bound to get shell shocked and they've like they've always been a second half team, right? So. Well and think about it, right? When we first started doing the show, how many people were us included were saying, look, playoffs ain't good enough this time. No. Playoff Western Conference final, that's not good enough this time. We gotta go all the way. Cup final, cup, like we we've all been collectively brought back down to earth mm -hmm. but sometimes you know i think back to the 0506 cup run 
Cinderella runs exist for a reason. And if we squeak in seventh, eighth in a wild card spot and get all the way to the cup final. Listen, hey. Yes. Uh, a couple things here. Just in chat, MGDO, if the oil lost tonight, I don't think my TV would have survived. Oh, I feel that so much. I'll tell you a quick story here and I'll get back on track. When I was, I want to say, 13 or 14 years old, I was watching the Oilers. It was the last game of the season. They were playing the Vancouver Canucks. I was in my basement and I remember Ben Scrivens just had such a horrible night. Is it the first or the last game of the season? I genuinely can't remember, but... I was sitting beside a little bubble hockey mini puck. I got so mad. I couldn't control my hair. I whipped out of the TV and that TV never worked again. <laughs> and it's all Ben Scriven's fault. Uh, and then Oilers legend, Ben. Scrivens, Oilers okay. legend, Ben Scriven's uh, Edmonton resident, Ben Scriven's. Um, but yeah. And then also in the chat, why is Kel Zach trade speculation news of Drew and Edmondson from Montreal and a big deal. Are you in? Uh, on Nation Network, Frank laid out uh, the knock against Chikrin. Thoughts? So I'll let, I'll let you go first on that. What Wise Kyle? I, I saw the tweet that Wise Kyle's talking about. Just not true. That's a that's a NHL rumor guy. What's the SDPN rumor guy? Uh, hockey insider what? man. Do you know who I'm talking oh, about? Uh, smart insider yeah, secret, man. S- secret insider. It's man? smart. It's smart. Man? It's smart. Yeah. yeah, that was a smart insider man account. That's not happening. But I'll let you jump in. Uh, what you did? You see what Frank Cervelli said about Jacob Chikrin? I I didn't. Okay. But at the same time, like we we all know the knocks, right? Like Chikrin is a guy who, if you're looking for a shutdown defenseman, maybe he's not the guy. But he's a guy that can make a play. He's a guy that can carry the puck up the ice. He'll chip in a couple of goals, a couple of assists. Like, if you wanted a two-way defender, Jacob Chikrin is the best guy on the market. If you want just a pure stay-at-home shutdown defenseman, maybe not, right? That's where your your Gavrikovs come in. Um, but there's there's so much speculation now because... As yeah. we progress along in the season, it's becoming more and more clear mm-hmm. which teams are falling out of the playoff race. Um, I mean, earlier, I think yesterday, I saw something about the Oilers being in on Matt Dumba. Um, I don't know if Minnesota is already in a position to call it, but you know, it- if you're a good GM, which I mean, we know, like you don't make the calls when you need to like make the trade you start doing the groundwork ahead of time you make a couple of preparations and if things go one path then you scrap the ones that you didn't need right yes. it's about preparation well wait, well just quickly uh lindsay late to the chat but you know still making her presence known uh what's up lindsay thanks for joining us even though i'm sure it's really late where you are so what's up thanks for coming back hit the like button we really appreciate it obviously um but yeah when you the Dumba thing I heard, uh, is what from what I I saw online, uh, essentially, uh, unless the Wild actually you know gets an opportunity to bring someone in like a center of consequence, they're not going to move Dumba out. They're still in the playoff mix. It was just more so the Oilers were calling because they were calling everyone because they're. I think everyone knows they need a defenseman. But my point that I'll say about Jacob Chicken is here: the Oilers, the defenseman who led the Oilers in expected goals tonight was Philip Broberg. The Oilers, to me, looked their best. I know that they were on for the second goal and they made a little bit of a mistake. Broberg kind of followed the, the Anaheim Ducks guy up the ice. Bouchard got pulled out. Nugent Hopkins and cover, and the Ducks scored their second goal of the night. But, or first goal, that was their first goal. Uh, yeah, sorry. Excuse me. But, um, to me, other than that play, 
the Oilers looked their best when you had Broberg and Bouchard on the ice making plays, right? They were con- they were dominant. They were controlling the puck. And that, to me, is the best form of defense. When you're in the offensive zone, you're not allowing that team to even get the opportunity to apply pressure to you. You can make those plays. You can get the puck out. You're fast. You're quick. And you're doing the offense. So, so to me, adding Jacob Chikrin is you're adding a more offensive, uh, an older version of that. You're getting that puck mover. You're getting that Philip Broberg-esque, Darnell Nurse-esque. Like, we all know, again, we've gone through this a zillion times. We know what he is. Uh, I think he would benefit the Oilers immensely. I think he'd be a great partner for Bouchard. You move Broberg down. I thought Broberg and DeHarnay, when they were paired together tonight, looked awesome. Like, that could be a pair. Uh, it just provides you with a ton more depth. I think we're at the point in the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's career that you need to make that play. Like, I will not be satisfied with something less. One of the things that does really frustrate me, oh, right? No. Uh, well, bots. Attack of the bots. Off, a, a little Those bit frustrate of, uh, me. That frustrates me. But uh, one of the things that frustrates me is the fact that after some clarification, it seems like the ask from Arizona for Chikrin is literally just picks. They don't want established mm-hmm. prospects, which in my mind just makes the point ever so clear that Holland is overestimating the future. Like, oh, whoever God. He, whoever he thinks he, he's going to draft in this year and next year's draft is going to immediately have an impact before Dreisaitl's contracts mm-hmm. do and before McGavis' so, Dreisaitl's so what contracts I, do. So usually you hear guys like Ryan Rashog and everyone, they, they, they're they very conservative. They're always, you know, pro Oilers management and they, they never necessarily, I've never heard in my at least fandom, I've heard these guys calling for the Oilers to make that big move. But recently, I like Craig Button today said he would do it in an Edmonton minute. He moved two first plus Broberg for Chicken, right? Uh, you had Mike Johnson on Ryan Rashog's podcast saying he would do it. You had Ryan Rashog on every hit that he does in the city and outside of the city saying they, they need to do it. Right, even Bob Stoffer, yeah, right? the the most sheltered, like this is the OEG guy, has said, "Hey, you know, Chikrin kind of makes sense now." And just like, to what I'm, I've been smoking what you today. said about Colin Valley in the future, I think uh, what I heard Pierre LeBrun say was Pierre LeBrun said that Ken Holland, what he thinks when he came into the Oilers' job, he was value. He made a promise to himself in the organization that he would, when he left. He would have them in a position to succeed with first round draft picks coming up the pipe, a strong system, having them ready for long term success. You know, the old Detroit model, whatever, you know, think of that what you will. But to me and the difference is I don't think those two things are the same. Now we're at a point where they haven't necessarily had all the success that they would have hoped in Holland's tenure. They have an opportunity to finally 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 once in mcdavid's career go all in and they need to go all in like i i i can't think of an oilers fan who genuinely cares about the future beyond the next three years like it if you care about it you're i don't know why like you're you're wrong it, it literally it, it does not matter and beyond the yeah. length of leon dry contract does not matter to this hockey team your future is right now the best thing what ken holland should be thinking this is the point that ryan rashog made and i wholeheartedly agree with it you know what's better than leaving the Oilers with a stock cupboard full of, you know, third line left wing and right wings and bottom pairing defensemen? It's Connor McDavid lifting the Stanley Cup above his head. That is the number one thing you could do. Exactly. It is the number one thing you could do for this organization. And that is why I trade all the picks. Broberg's been fantastic. But, and and, 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 uh, trust me, bro, I've, 
I'm very, very, very happy with the way Broberg's played. But I'd still move him in this deal. If you can do it and keep Broberg, sure. That's the wild thing. Yeah, they don't want him. That's yeah, they that, don't want Broberg. The, the, they the, don't the new package seems to be a first, a first, and a second, or a, some other like they want things that they and, can do that go with their timeline. Right. Exactly. Cap moves. That's it. So if it means, and I know, and we 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 both love Jesse, where Jesse stands here. If it means moving out Jesse, if it means paying someone to take Warren Bogle, then you do it. You do whatever you could do. You don't have time. The clock is ticking. What if if they don't do this? If they go out and get an Edmondson, who to me this year has just been horrible. Our boss Andrew Berkshire, he uh, he is not a Joel Edmondson fan, and everything he said about Joel Edmondson, uh, guys, you don't want him on the Oilers. Trust me. Every, everyone, everyone in the group chat at, over at Game Over is absolutely razzing the Oilers right now. So, uh, pray for pray for Avery, Zach, and myself as we fend off our coworkers. Um, honestly, like it's it's embarrassing, mm-hmm. right? Eighth year, ninth year of uh, Drysaitel and McDavid, and we are sitting here just past halfway in the season, going, if we don't make a move this team might be done. We might not be making it into the playoffs. Like that's inexcusable. I don't really care if Holland leaves this organization with the city hating him. Like you got to sell your assets. You got to try. Cause the oh, yeah. only thing worse than not try, the only thing worse than you know, like trying and not achieving is not trying exactly and that's why uh this is this is one thing where i'm in the huge minority here but when people think back to the COVID season people still get mad at ken holland for the andreas athens you trade i'll never give him flack for that because he tried right was it a bad deal yes did you pay too much for that asset yes should you qualify him yes but at the end of the day on deadline day he was on his phone and he was making deals and he at least tried to make the oilers better right we haven't been able to say that a lot and that's why i don't like giving him flack for that deal because i like just the effort that's it that's all it is and the stuff regarding the uh double a deal the stuff regarding zach cassian's new contract all of that was done prior to knowing about COVID, right? I will never razz leadership for taking the information that they had and making the best decision at that time, right? New information will come in and that might make the decision look stupid, but that's new information. They didn't have that at the time. So both of those, like the contract and the trade, I will not fault Holland for, right? Some of the stuff that has happened, you know, afterwards. Yes. There's first contract. Like there's, uh, there's things that he's done horrible. And there's a million things we could sit here right now and say, he's done. uh, He, he could have done better and he could have done a better job. Um, but two things I want to touch on before the first, uh, a lot of people seem to, the other's target seems to be right now. Um, Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, that seems to be the other guy that uh, people are talking about. He se- some people seem to think he's better than Chikrin. To me, I genuinely don't understand. I cannot logically see a reason why you would pick him over Jacob Chikrin. I'm not sure what your opinions on that. I can get into mine after, but I'll let you go first. The only reason why is is twofold, right? Mm-hmm. First is if you are of the if you are of the the thought that. What this team needs is a shutdown defender who is physical. Then you would you would take Gavrikov over Chikrin, coming in at a little bit cheaper cost as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is people view Chikrin's contract 
very well cost controlled for a couple of years, that's a bonus. But you could also potentially view that as a negative because you've locked yourself in, right? But he's Gavrikov really is... good. You could lock yourself. Like you're giving up yeah. all these. Because the, the, sorry, and I don't mean to cut you off, but but the thing is with Gavrikov, uh, the rumor price is a first and a third. Like yes. if you're giving up that much to me, like I don't want to see the Oilers giving up a first for someone who they're going to get 19 games of and then however far they go in the playoffs, right? If you're giving exactly. up that first, add on to it, get those three playoff runs with Jacob Chikrin, who we know it. He's 24, right? It's not like like he's getting any worse. Like he, he's, he's still growing. He's barely in his prime, right? Like this. Yeah, and I, I honestly think I'm in the Chikrin camp as well. Mm-hmm. I think having two-way defenders is a lot better than just having defensive stalwarts. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if I place myself in someone's shoes who thinks Gavrikov is the answer instead of Chikrin, that's what I would argue. Agree, totally agree. Uh, uh, and wise Kyle says, "Hell, Ivan Provorov." To me, like Oof. if you're gonna pay that price, he makes two million more. He's he's not he hasn't been hurt as much as Chikrin, but he's also in the last couple of years he hasn't been nearly as effective as Jacob Chikrin. Obviously, in, in 2017-18, he was really good, but it seems like he kind of fell off a cliff. I just want to. Touch on everything here. Mickinator says Yamo, Fogel, Pugliarvi, McLeod, CC, Yanmark, all expendable LOL for a chance at a cup. I would agree. Probably the one person on that list for me is McLeod. Who, McLeod yeah, yeah. I wouldn't really say is expendable. I think he is a really good one of their best penalty killers. Also, uh, one thing, and I uh, one thing just want to note really, really quick. First thing, uh, first shift of the game, uh, last couple games, McDavid and Yamamoto were the first two penalty killers out today. They switched it up. Nugent Hopkins, Yamark, first two penalty killers on the ice. That seemed to make a difference because the Ducks went over three on the power play. Sorry, Dennis, what were you going to say? Uh, no, I, I just wanted to bring up the point where uh, McLeod seems like he's finally the answer to the third line center. Right? Yes. The Oilers many, many years have had this missing third line center. Yes, right now RNH is is in that spot, but eventually he might need to go to the wing as he starts to get up there in age mcleod i think is the guy long term i would long term and i would hate to see mcleod traded away um and for us to suddenly want another third line center yeah it's just it's just versatility at the end of the day like i i love the look of the oilers when they're running the three first the three centers right like they're uh they have the potential to be a really dominant team especially with kane and like wise Kyle said they're gonna make a fo- uh, forward addition too uh and i think uh, I know they're really low in the standings, or lower than you would like in the standings, but at the end of the day, I think we all, I know it can get really dark, it can get really bleak here, but we all have confidence in them making a run. We know they're a lot better than what we've shown. We know when the chips are down, just like last year in the playoffs, they're down, they win game six, they win game seven to go back to LA, like you would have had any doubt, right? This is going to be the same this year. They're down, they're going to come back, they're going to make the playoffs, and we'll see how it goes. To me, it just comes down to Ken Holland and his willingness to add. And the one thing that I just want to say before we end off, well, we can maybe touch on the other game for next game I for two seconds. But before that, to me, I a lot of there's a lot of uh, we heard a lot about the Oilers are waiting are, are waiting to make a move for the for a defenseman closer to the deadline. Uh, to me, I don't understand that, especially if it is Jacob Chikrin. The Oilers are in long LTIR; they're not accruing any cap space, right? So there's no cap benefit to them waiting. Uh, the Chikrin has term left on his deal, so it's not like he's a UFA that they have to move, right? So to me, it's the Coyotes have put their price out there. It's whoever's willing to pay it at whatever point in time, and until someone pays it, he's not moving, right? So it's just a matter of stepping up and doing it. And I want to see Ken Holland do it. 
I mean, the I 100% agree. If if you have a deal that you like, you should go for it. Um, the only thing that makes sense in my mind in regards to waiting is you don't know the full market right now. Mm -hmm. There could be someone who the team drops out of a playoff race. Suddenly this person's on the market. You've already made your move. You miss out on that chance. But this is the, the issue of like, you're putting the cart before the horse, right? If you, if you have a workhorse that you want to accrue and you're willing to pay the price, just go for it because the longer you wait the chances are that person might get snatched up and suddenly you're exactly. caught with your pants down or you end up you end up having to get someone who isn't the exact fit exactly right? like, the, well the, it's, it's all a guessing game at this point. well the scariest right? thing is you see how the oilers came out and played against la last game and the rumor jeff merrick on oilers now the other day said the rumored landing spot where he believes chicken will end up is los angeles now imagine you add him to that already stacked decor and the problems that they gave the oilers like you can't especially you cannot let him go in division like he is such a unicorn on the trade market he's such a good fit and i understand depending on what you believe the best fit is it, it's all i guess honestly it's all subjective everyone has their own belief we can argue about this for days uh but next game we're going to be joined uh hopefully by ashley Collingbull uh to after the game against san jose um lovely person gonna have a lot of thoughts and i'm super excited to talk to her uh she was the first indigenous woman ever on, on uh, in the sports illustrated swimsuit edition so she's gonna gonna be awesome to talk with her um but yeah dennis uh, yeah i'm really excited uh i think it's gonna be great she's obviously done a lot of hosting as well uh mm -hmm. so It'll be great to to get her opinion on the team. Um, if we if we could present the team in a winning state, that'd be great because it would be a bunch of Oilers fans feeling great. But uh, we'll see how it goes against the San Jose Sharks. Now that's uh, Friday, mm -hmm. January thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth, and uh, the game starts at eight thirty. So it's super late, late game show for us. Oh yeah, we won't be done till after midnight, I'm sure. So. Uh, we're all looking forward to that. I want to thank everyone again for joining us in the chat. We got about 50 people watching us right now. We got 36 likes. Let's guys smack it one more time. Let's try and hit 40 right here. Um, but yeah, Dennis, anything, any, anything I, else from you? One, one last thing I wanted to shout out. Uh, if there's any basketball fans mm -hmm. in chat, uh, I, I know we, uh, we have run a little bit late tonight. But uh, the SDPN has a new podcast out. It's hosted by S.N. Lauren. It's awesome. the Objective Basketball Podcast, the T.O.B. So if you want to check out their show, it's amazing. I guarantee you'll have a fun time. Um, yeah, that's it for us. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Let's play La Bomba, baby, and we will see you uh, on Friday. Take care till then. Have Stay safe and have a great rest of your night. Take care. Play La Bomba, baby.